You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. Good to see you guys this morning. Um, Mother's Day is always kind of a, a difficult message to communicate because there's so many in the room that would love to be a mom and not yet a mom. Uh, some in the room have complicated mom stories. And some have lost a mom. And I also recognize on a day like this, um, it's not just moms that are in the room. Sometimes dads show up on behalf of a mom that wants them to be here. So, so it's actually a beautiful day, but, but there's a a wide, a wide array of people that I want to reach on a, on a topic like this. And so as we've prayed through how to talk, I want to begin with a question. The question is, have you ever been stuck in an undesirable space? Meaning, let's say it's a space that's a season of two months, maybe six months or a year. Perhaps you'd call it a transition. Maybe you hope it's a transition because you really don't want to be there for long. Uh, here are some examples of this. Maybe... Um, there are working parents in this room, both of you working. And this space is represented by what's around the corner. Your kid or kids are about to be out of school, and you're dreading how are you going to handle back and forth or getting childcare taken care of. You hope it comes to a close. Some are going through empty nest, and the youngest has just graduated. You're happy for him, but in a real sense, you're kind of sad for you. If you think about it, you always wanted some peace and quiet at the house, but the quiet that's around the corner could be deafening. Maybe you have a grown child that's facing difficult, difficult circumstances. And perhaps they've made some decisions. And you're praying that for once, in a, for once in a long time they would just catch a break. They're not that bad. They've just made some bad choices. But they're dealing with the wake of consequences. And you and your family uh, find yourselves bailing them out time and time again. Maybe you're stuck at work. Like... Uh, it's miserable. Perhaps there's someone over you that's tough. Maybe the expectations this year are unrealistic compared to last year. And decisions are being made that are contrary to what you think should be made. And you're not sure how much longer you can put up with it. You're stuck. Maybe you're single and you're raising your kids. And it feels like, for the most part, it's on your own. You take them back and forth, back and forth, and it's taking its toll. Because of their age, maybe they just don't yet understand how to vocalize appreciation, you're not sure they get it yet. But it's taking its toll on you in this space, and you're not holding up well. Or perhaps it's just leadership challenges. Uh, many in this room the last few years have dealt, dealt with something we call decision fatigue. Like you're just tired of making decisions because it seems like when you go to work, you're going to make a decision that is ultimately going to disappoint lots of people and you're stuck. You can't wait for the day where things kind of take care of themselves and you got a little bit of momentum, not so much disappointment. I'm telling you, all of us in this room, doesn't matter if you're a, a mom or not, we all deal with these seasons of life where we get stuck. Now, here's what I want you to know. When you find yourself here, it's a space you typically resent. But it's also a space, I promise, that God can do some of his best work. As Kari mentioned last week, we Ask the question, how's your heart? And we gave out some bracelets to indicate, okay, at the heart of the matter is my heart, and God's wanting to do this total renovation, this, this tear down and build up of my heart, my mind, my imagination. And what I want to do is kind of spend the next few weeks in a series of standalone message, much as messages called uh, Thoughts from a Recliner. Because on behalf of the heart, when you and I get stuck in a season that we just don't know when the end is coming, but we're ready to get out, 
because it's unhappy, it's miserable. A few things that I want you to think about on behalf of the recliner. Number one, you learn this, this won't last. All right, one way or another, it does go away over time. It's not necessarily permanent. Number two, this isn't unusual. Meaning, everyone goes through the emotions affiliated however we're stuck in some capacity. Everyone faces it. Doesn't matter if it's at a large business, a small business. Doesn't matter if somebody's retired. They got a big family, small family, no family. What you're going through, the emotions affiliated with it, um, it's not unusual. And then third, this feels large. Meaning, compared to other things, like, it feels big. But compared to, to the other things going on in the world, it really just feels large to me. On behalf of these, these principles, I want to simplify it today, and I want to build on it. Another way of saying it might be it's light, it's common, and it's temporary. What I want us to do is examine these words, and I need you to be patient with me. Because at the beginning, I want to talk about things that you and I struggle with that, that really legitimately are temporary. But then I want us to go in depth on things that aren't. By the way, these are not my words. The Apostle Paul came up with these words when he describes the season he says, our light and momentary troubles. Now, I said light, common, and temporary. He says light and momentary. In a few moments, what I want us to do is we look at his writings. We're going to see what Paul was experiencing. We're going to see why he wrote it. And we're going to see what he was thinking on behalf of that space that he was stuck in that he thought there was no way out. Which means what we're going to do today is get to the heart of the issue. And what the Bible wants us to do with these seasons that we're stuck, God wants to give us a different perspective. Meaning, he wants to give us a different focus. So as we sit in a recliner and all this is at stake, understand that, that even though you're addressing this issue that you're stuck with, something you're frustrated with, something you wish would change and it's not, the situation or circumstance may not get resolved. It may not change. But God will do a work in the heart that is honestly, in a real sense, mood-altering. But I will give a word of caution today. It will not serve us well to sugarcoat suffering, grief, or deep disappointment that many of you are going through right now. In fact, it's helpful to see suffering, grief, and deep disappointment for what it is. But without letting it grow into something larger than it is. God wants to give us this perspective. Like a focus in light of the season, we get so focused on the stuff that we're going through that we lose a bigger focus. And if we're not careful and we lose the bigger focus, understand we deal with runaway grief, runaway anxiety, runaway fear and depression. And it robs us ultimately of our joy. So I want us to take some time to look at these three words and to have a biblical perspective on whatever it is that we're facing. Now, with each word, I'm going to put together a three-word statement. The first word is this, light. Meaning in the grand scheme of things, I want you to think about the thing that you're going through. In the grand scheme of things, compared to the horrific tragedy going across all over the world, even in this city, even in this church, for most of us in this room, what I'm experiencing, my frustration, is actually pretty light. Some of you guys could say, well, Tim, you don't have a clue. You don't know what we're going through. You don't know about the heaviness. You don't know the burden. Understand, if you'll just hang with me here, I want to speak to the broader sense of most of us, and then we'll press into the heavier. But compared to most everyone else, what we're going through is light. I mean, if you could compare for a moment to this. Remember just a few months ago, the tragedy in Turkey, the earthquake that took thousands upon thousands 
of lives. And this picture stands out to me so hard. It's a dad that's holding the hand of his daughter for, for days. I want us to consider, on behalf of that statement, light, these three words. And I want you to say them with me. Ready? This isn't that. Say it with me. This isn't that. Like, if we could just stop for a second and have a perspective change. And to think about my miserable situation, your difficult situation, how unhappy you are, how unhappy I am, how, how much we feel that we're stuck. Understand that, that this, what I'm facing, isn't that. In other words, there's my kind of upheaval, and then there's that kind of upheaval. And a biblical perspective on behalf of the heart is the ability to recognize, you know what, what I'm going through, my space it is uncomfortable, it is confusing, it's discouraging. But you take a, breath, a, a big breath and you think, you know what, this isn't that. Um, maybe some of you will remember this back in 2016. It'll hit closer to home. Remember the fire virtually destroyed all of Gatlinburg. Businesses, houses, ready? Homes, lives. The depths of despair that others went through, compare that to what you're currently facing, with what I'm currently facing. I mean, there is my kind of upheaval, and it's significant, but there's that kind of upheaval. And I'm telling you, compared to that, it's light, meaning this isn't that. Meaning, if you consider this, like last night, most of us in this room probably slept in an apartment or a house or a bed, or if things were tough, we at least slept on a couch, right? You compare that to the bigger scope of things. And think about what you're going through. This is uncomfortable. It's draining. It's confusing. But I'm telling you, this is not that. We all go through these seasons of life where our perspective starts to get too focused on the problem. And I want us to begin with thinking the word light, meaning this isn't that. Here's the second word, common. To which some of you might be thinking, come on, Tim, common? You gotta be kidding me. You have no idea what we're facing as a family. Um, let's pause for a second and think back to a couple years ago during the pandemic. You think about it. What we went through was unprecedented. But the emotions tied to it were not unusual. Think back for a second. Remember when schools were closed, churches went online, restaurants closed, water fountains were taped down. Everything's on lockdown. Everything that we did was impacted. I mean, even think about outside, like football games and the absence of fans. Think about, I still can't get over this, on a golf course. Like if you played golf during the pandemic, the beginning of the phases, they took pool noodles, cut them in half, and they put them in the hole so you wouldn't get a ball out of the hole. I mean, just, just where we went, all right? Now, as strange as that was, understand that was weird. That wasn't common. But the emotions affiliated with it on behalf of everybody were common. That's what we mean by common. Meaning we were worried. We were worried about finances. We were worried about our health. We were worried about anger. We were tired of things. We were frustrated with people. We were over people. We were discouraged, felt alone. We thought, if this goes on much longer, I'm not sure I can handle it. I'm telling you, there are three words to tie to this statement, common. In the same way with light. We said, it isn't that with common. I want you to say these words. I'm not alone. Say it with me. I'm not alone. 
You consider what you're going through. Yes, it might be unique in its own way, but the emotions affiliated with what you're going through, you're not alone. Uh, On behalf of the Bible, when you read through, early in the Bible, you read about a, a husband and wife. Abraham and Sarah dealt with years of infertility, could not have children. Uh, The promise of of the next generations were resting on their shoulders. And understand that they were dealing with this. They were wondering how God would would provide for them. And their emotions were at stake. I'm telling you, you're not alone. You fast forward just a little bit further to to the story of Joseph. At the age of 17, he's sold into slavery by his own family. His brothers. He's taken to a land where he can't even speak the same language. He's separated from his dad and his mom. And he's wondering how God will come through. Imagine his emotions that are tied to what he's going through. You're not alone. Think through the story of Scripture with a woman named Naomi just a few pages later. She loses her husband. Her two girls lose their husband. She's a refugee. She's forced to go to a different land because of a famine. She's wondering how God is going to come through and provide for her. But she's got all the same emotions that we do in a season that you're stuck. Think forward a little bit further with David. This young man that's got all the potential, all the promise, but there over him is a guy that's jealous and insane. His name is King Saul. And David will spend most of his life hiding in misery, not in houses, but in caves. I'm telling you, here's what we know. The stories of Scripture remind us, you know, I'm I'm not alone. And even when you get to the New Testament, I mean, if we were to just focus on Jesus, he went through every emotional experience that you and I can imagine, plus some, abandoned my friends, betrayed by friends. I'm telling you, when you read the Bible over and over and over, you see again and again and again that the emotions that we're going through in a season where we're stuck, it's common. So you take, you take encouragement throughout. Throughout history, God's treasured kids would find ways to cling to him and trust him, especially when they were stuck in an undesired space. I'll tell you a little something. Most of my favorite stories in the Bible in the Bible are stories about guys and women that are stuck in a space they don't want to be in. And it's usually where God does some of his greatest work. We see it again and again through Scripture. We have an opportunity to watch how they responded. We have an opportunity to read the words that express the emotions, the common emotions that they feel in their season of being stuck. And we do so when our world is tipped over and the bottom comes out. And so words like light. Meaning, you know what, this, it's not that. Common. I'm not alone. And here's the third word, temporary. I want you to say these three words with me on behalf of temporary. This will pass. Will you say it with me? This will pass. So think of the word so far. Light, meaning this isn't that. Common, meaning you're not alone. And temporary, This will pass. Uh, Back during the pandemic, do you remember thinking, okay, one day will this really ever go away? This will pass? Like, will schools ever reopen? Will restaurants ever really reopen? At church, will we actually get to hug someone or shake their hand instead of like a head nod and a fist bump? Um, Will there actually be like um, no toilet paper drama again? Remember, you were thinking all these things going through the pandemic. And guess what? It did. Um, This is cliche, and there's so many cliche statements, but there is a lot of truth to them. Challenges come, and challenges go. You've heard people say, like, tough times don't last, but tough people do. I really lean in on that first part. Tough times don't last. They generally don't last, meaning 
when there's difficulty, there's generally a cycle that goes through them. Let me give you an example. Some of you remember back 2008 to 2010, the housing crisis, meaning houses would sit on the market for months. You would drop prices. No one would be even entertained remotely. Periodically, someone would look, but then they weren't interested. But you fast forward to the last couple few years. We don't really have the housing crisis. Things have changed, meaning houses no longer sit for like 24 months. It's more like 24 minutes, and you're getting what you asked plus some. Have you noticed that things kind of have this weird change to it? But with that, with what's happened with houses, now there's a different opportunity, or you could say a challenge. Higher prices, difficulty finding a home, difficulty affording a home. I'm telling you, just in a broad sense, and we're going to get deep in a second. Have you noticed that challenges have a tendency to roll in and roll out? I'm telling you, it's temporary. Like, this won't last. Have you noticed that they just roll in and roll out? But some of you in the room right now, and this is where I want to press in. At this moment, many of you realize that what you're going through is not going to roll out. Meaning, something that you're facing, unless something drastic happens, there is no end in sight. And even if you try, there might be no end in sight. Um, meaning, challenges come and challenges go. But what if they're here to stay? Tim, um, we're dealing with the diagnosis. Things are so bad, it's not going to get better. My life... Someone I love, their life is coming to an end on this earth. Tim, I'm taking care of aging parents. And Tim, it's tough. I mean, we've got them extra help, but it's just getting harder and harder. Tim, they're not going to be 55 again. It's not coming to an end. Um, Tim, the industry that I'm in, the business that I've chosen, it's going away. Like, there is no end in sight. I, I have no idea what we'll do. Tim, my marriage, like, we filed for divorce. It's done. Here's what I want to do now. I want to talk about serious challenges. How do we talk about serious challenges? I mean, is it worth asking? Are they really light and momentary? Because those are the words the Apostle Paul used when he says, our light and momentary troubles. So I'm going to have the message so far. I know it's kind of been surfaced. So let's dig in deep. Because when some of you see that those words actually came from the Apostle Paul, you might think in your heart of hearts, I don't know what world he's living in. So let's go there. Let's see what world he was living in. His words are written in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You can turn with me to 2 Corinthians 1. We'll get to 4 in a second. Geographically, Corinth is in the area of southern Greece. Paul would start churches there, and he would be in Corinth for 18 months, and then he would start a church, get a church going, and then he would go to the next church in Ephesus. Ephesus is a city that Paul would sit in for, for three years. But what happens in Ephesus? Well, let me tell you what happens in Ephesus. Paul and the team that he is with are almost put to death in Ephesus, meaning the end, done. There was such animosity in the city of Ephesus that Paul tells his friends that made the trip with him, we're not going to make it out of here alive. Meaning what Paul gets in Ephesus is a death sentence. Which explains why he writes these words to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. We were under great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure. 
so that we despaired of life itself. You read those words. I'm telling you, this is why I love the Bible. The Bible comes to life with, with raw, real emotions. Now look at the next verse. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Like on God, a perspective change. Focus change. We would rely on God who raises the dead. And we had a dead-end problem. We had a, a God that's going to address dead-end problems. Paul's like, I can't handle this anymore. It's going to kill us. And in that moment, his heart turns to the resurrection of God. where God calls forth his kids. By the way, this is just chapter 1. Let's look at chapter 4, which is where the words light and momentary show up. Context is everything. Chapter 4, verse 14. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. Anyone, there's no end in sight. It's not going to get better. We've got to understand the implication of this verse. His hope, his trust. He was looking forward to the fact that because of Jesus, there will be a day with total healing, total restoration. There will be a day when Paul is with, and us too, with the resurrected Jesus in a resurrected body and on a resurrected planet. And on behalf of hope, Paul said, this is where you place your ultimate hope. Meaning for me, I'll tell you this, my hope has to remember that my hope can't be placed in a vacation. Because vacations come, vacations go, vacations fall apart. That can be a hope, but not my ultimate hope. Your heart, my hope, heart has to remember that my hope cannot be placed in my retirement or my investments or in a job. To get back to the way it once was. I'm going to tell you, that can be a hope. But it's not my ultimate hope. My heart has to remember that my hope is not placed in a picture-perfect, healthy body. For me or my kids. That can be a hope. But it's not my ultimate hope. I'm telling you, God has a way of giving us his perspective in light of a difficult space. When we sit down and we give him our hearts. And it may not happen immediately. It may take some time. I have the privilege of telling you and showing you kind of what this looks like. Some dear friends of so many of us in here. Uh, the, the Heiser family. Um, Kellen, Brianne. Uh, about five or six years ago, uh, she was pregnant. And uh, in their small group, I remember Kellen opening up and, and saying they were dealing with some difficulties with ultrasounds and realizing that the child that was coming into the world was only going to be born with one arm. You can imagine if, if you're newly, new parents, and this is the news, your, your, your mind goes crazy. This is a, a place, a space you don't want. A space you don't want for your kids. And you're playing through in your brain as new parents, soon-to-be parents, how are we going to do this with, with pictures of the child? 
How are we going to do this when we introduce the child to other people? How, how will we deal with this when, when, our, when our child, their daughter, Emery, is, is around other kids on the playground? Will she even get to climb on a playground? Will she have a normal life? And just a couple weeks ago, I was sitting there scrolling through socials, and I came across Bree's post. And Bree made a video for herself. And she said, if I could tell myself something a few years ago in light of what God has taught me now about hope, this is what God would teach me. And I thought it'd be good for us to peek at it this morning. And when Paul was talking about our ultimate hope, being in resurrected bodies in heaven, can I tell you something? He's not talking about cartoons. He's not talking about clouds, and he's not talking about harps. Can I tell you what he's talking about? He's talking about being with the physically resurrected Jesus in a physically resurrected body on a physically resurrected planet, more alive than ever before. And Paul, in this circumstance, is looking forward to that day. And things were so desperately bad for Paul that all he could think about was what life will be like eventually with Jesus. I'm telling you, sitting in that space with your heart on the line, asking God to give you hope in the midst where things just don't fill with hope. So much so that even if it's really bad, John, the follower of Jesus, would write these words. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That first heaven and the first earth, they'd passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. and He'll dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he'll be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For that old order of things has passed away. I'm telling you, on behalf of what some of you are facing right now, a space that is miserable, a space that you're stuck, it looks bleak, there's no end in sight. You're saying, I just don't know what the future holds. Paul and John are reminding us, yes, you do. You just need to lift your eyes a little bit further. Because our hope, I mean, you, can, you can hope that stuff's going to be good on this life, but that's not your ultimate hope. Your ultimate hope is found in Jesus. So on behalf of these verses, remember the principles we talked about on behalf of your struggle. Like, it's light. It's common. And it's temporary. And you're like, this is not that. It's common, like, like I'm not alone. And temporary meaning, this won't last. And by the way, this right here is only offered to followers of Jesus Christ. This is the hope that he gives. So Paul continues and he says this, Therefore, because of all this, we don't lose heart. I'm telling you, it goes back to the heart of the matter. We don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're, wa- we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Like this is significant. You notice the contrast. Like every day when you get up in the middle of being stuck, in the middle of a season that's miserable... On the outside, like it's challenging, it's conflicting, it's depressing. There's no end in sight. But Paul says if you look closely as a follower of Jesus, what's going on on the inside is something completely different. On the outside, we're wasting away. 
According to this verse on the inside, we are being renewed. And it happens in the recliner space on behalf of the heart. Now, let's look at the verse that Paul gives us those words in its entirety. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In other words, you could say this. This is heavy. But in light of eternity, because of the resurrected Jesus, whatever I'm facing right now, this miserable thing, this ain't it. But on behalf of how I handle this, I'm telling you, focus is everything. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Focus is everything. Perspective is everything. Would you mind just like closing your eyes and focusing for a second? What is that one thing that you're stuck with? It's miserable. No end in sight. Can I remind you? It's light. Compared to what so many other people are going, it's light. This isn't that. It's common. Yes, your story might be unique. But the emotions affiliated with your story, they're common. So that means this. When you read the pages of Scripture, you're reminded through story after story after story. You're not alone. So take hope. It's light. It's common. Ready? It's temporary. You say, but but Tim, is it? You bet. In light of eternity, this is temporary. Those three words. This won't last. And as you sit here and think about those words, understand. Let's have real talk. After this message, you will probably return to being stuck in a specific undesired space. Just do us all a favor. According to Jesus, don't lose your focus. Perspective is everything. Father, as we sit here and we think, I pray that we would think through our stories. We would think through our struggles. We would think through the things that have us miserable, that have hijacked our emotions. They're holding our days and our happiness hostage. I pray for the followers of Jesus in this room that we would understand where our ultimate hope lies. I thank you that we get to see the raw emotions from Paul. Literally was looking, staring at death in the eyes, and he has the right perspective. And Father, that perspective is Jesus. I pray today we would understand if our heart could tell a story. If our heart could sing a song, if we have a testimony, a story, if we have anything at all, may we be able to say and understand the depths of no one ever cared for me like Jesus. And I pray this today in Jesus' name.